we were on the road and they would throw a new song in. <laughs> Last second. There were enough elements on my end that I felt could go wrong. And then they'd want to throw a new song in there. And I'm like, oh, you guys, can, can we just, you know. Yeah, that very thing <clears throat> was the thing that used to make me go, what's wrong with this woman? <laughs> My name is Alison Krauss. And I am the long-serving, suffering Robert Plant. Robert Plant and Alison Krauss have made two albums together. Their first album, Raising Sand, came out in 2007 and won the Grammy for Album of the Year. Fourteen years later, they reunited for their second album, Raise the Roof. Robert Plant was the singer and frontman of Led Zeppelin. He's in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, and he won a Lifetime Achievement Grammy. Alison Krauss is a multi-platinum artist who started out as a fiddle-playing child prodigy. She's one of the top Grammy winners of all time. She has 27. On their albums together, Robert and Alison combine their individual rock and bluegrass sensibilities to reimagine songs. Their story began in 2003, when Robert was in the car listening to the radio. A long, long time ago, I was driving home from a local hostelry. And I heard this most beautiful voice and a whole idiom of music that didn't really permeate the sound waves in the United Kingdom. But I heard these beautiful tones and this beautiful voice and this innocence exuding a promise and an optimism, the likes of which I'd never heard before. The voice sitting opposite me that's now looking at me with a very strange expression. so <laughs> <laughs> And I pulled over on the side of the road and Alison sang to me about little children on the side of a hill oh. who'd lost their sheep <laughs> and their parents were looking for them all night long playing banjos. That's a true story. In the spring of 1856 with the snow still on the ground Two little boys were lost in the mountains above the town it just captivated me. I was enamored by her style and the lightness of her delivery. I'd been invited to go to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in Cleveland, Ohio, to uh, celebrate the work of Lead Belly, to pay kind of homage in a way to him. I was able to reach out to Allison. I remember I got a call from my manager at the time and she goes, hey, Robert Plant is going to call you in five minutes. My brother used to play Led Zeppelin in his room, and we had grown up listening to that music. And so I said, what does he want? She goes, I don't know. So at the time, I was putting my son to sleep, who was a little boy at the time. And so there the phone rang, and, hello, it's Robert. And I had to be really quiet. I just was trying not to wake my son up. And so I had to go, hey, Robert, yeah, it's really great. Nice to talk to you. And it was kind of like this really weird phone call. And then he asked about going and playing in, in Cleveland. So we met in Cleveland in uh, remarkable circumstances. I didn't know anything about how her world worked as a, a traveling musician. And she knew nothing about mine. And we did the rehearsal at an Armenian dance hall that was like stepping into another world. I thought this is one of the most 
incredible places I'd ever seen. It was like just out of some Fellini movie or something yeah. way back in the day. And uh, I saw him standing in the corner with his hairdo. My hairdo? <laughs> wait a minute. And, Hang on. My hairdo is <laughs> my business. Shit. You know, and I walked up to him and he turns around and says, oh, there you are. And the first conversation we had was about one of my favorite records by Ralph Stanley called Clinch Mountain Gospel. And he talked about in the 70s, driving through the Appalachian Mountains, listening to that record. And and I thought, how interesting. I would have had no idea that he had that kind of connection to that world. And it was just great. A very good first meeting because it allowed us to see what our personalities might be like, which is almost more important than where we go to as players. She's a very charming and uh, humorous woman. We really did have some kind of very unusual, unexpected affinity. And we took the stage and played some Lead Belly stuff. And well, let's just say it was a work in progress. There was a little bit of floundering. Uh, unfortunately, I didn't realize uh, it was one or two really important aspects of singing with another person that i yet to be considering. And that is, if I'm singing, what is the other person going to sing? And I've heard this talk now, which has actually been drilled into me by Madam, about singing harmonies. For singing a duet, depending on the range of the person that you're singing with, you're either singing one part above or two parts above. But, you know, I just thought we'd just sing. I was sending it left, right, and center with Alison screwing up that beautiful face and saying, why don't you sing the same thing twice? Because how, in heaven's name, am I supposed to sing along with you if you're kind of, baby, oh, mama, mama, all over the place? It was just really funny. But, you know, the great thing about it was even when it was going into some strange spiral of turmoil, Alison was laughing at me across her violin, and I think she thought I was a little bit nuts. <laughs> so that was the way that we started once upon a time in Cleveland. But whatever happened that night set the scene for all the events that have followed it, really. And the next time that we talked was about making a record. Robert called. Again. And he says, hey, let's get together and go in the studio for three days and let's just give it a shot. And he said, if it doesn't work, we'll just move on. And I thought, well, that sounds like fun. Hmm. And I remember saying, I, I don't want to produce it. He says, I don't want to produce it. So I brought up T-Bone Burnett, who uh, I had worked with a number of times on the Oh Brother Where Art Thou soundtrack and Cold Mountain. And he had an incredible respect for that kind of music, you know, bluegrass music and acoustic music. And and I knew about his career with rock and roll, and he seemed like a perfect bridge. Robert loved the idea. T-Bone loved the idea. T-Bone had suggested some particularly beautiful songs. And sent us those, and then we got together in Nashville. And I have to admit, I was nervous how we were going to do it because there were so many unknowns of what in the world 
you know, yeah. how it was going to work. Walking in with a blindfold on, I said to, to T-Bone, well, you know, you know, we got three days. We can see how it goes and, you know, no more commitment after that. And he says, oh, we'll, we'll get it done. He goes, this is going to work. And he was very confident. And, and he had said, T-Bone said, well, my goal is to make you both very uncomfortable. I'm like, boy, that sounds like a joy. Can't wait to get in the studio. But he wanted us to not be doing something we'd already done. And uh, I guess two or three days before we went in to track, we did a lot of rewriting, trading those leads and harmony parts around. And uh, some of the melody lines where we would switch, you know, from Robert singing lead to me singing lead, and then he would jump to harmony. And I thought that was a really beautiful idea. We're not trying to create something where our egos are being looked after by making sure that I get my bit in and Alison gets her bit in. It's not always going to be both of us singing. It's not always going to be either of us backing the other up. For myself and for Robert, it was a totally new way of singing together. You know, he is very off the cuff and, and I grew up in a very regimented style of singing and um, you know to bring those things together can be um, interesting yes Robert's attitude was let's just go in and and try and so for myself that's the first time I'd ever recorded like that with Allison I was learning I was going into an area that kind of worried me and frightened me and still does and I I follow her angles when it comes to harmonies and stuff like that, which in the past would be something that I would consider to be unattainable because it's never been in my world at all. The boundaries of that atmosphere with the three of us in there and that group of musicians, I mean, it was a, a group think. And we ended up really kind of giving a, a new life to those songs. You could suggest a song and play the original version and just get a feel for it. If it came from 1953 or whatever it was. For example, Rich Woman, originally by Lil Millet down in New Orleans. That's such a sexy piece of music. I mean, it's just incredible in its original form. If we didn't have the right guys there, musicians who were on the studio floor, it would have sounded lumpy and it would have been like, oh, this is not going to work. But instead, it was like uh, incredibly alluring, the groove that was created. I'm pretty sure we were already talking about making another record while we were touring the yeah. first one. You know, I never played with amps like they had on stage. You know, everything for me in the past was, you know, very low volume. I could hear everything and we were on the road and they would throw a new song in. <laughs> Last second, there were enough elements on my end that I felt could go wrong 
and then they'd want to throw a new song in there. And I'm like, oh, you guys, can, can we just, you know. Yeah, that very thing <clears throat> was the thing that used to make me go, what's wrong with this woman? <laughs> I mean, surely expression is everything. Oh, to, if you can take your violin towards the amplifier <laughs> to get a little bit of feedback yeah. and then perhaps put your violin I'll bow I'll stick the mic the right in front of the amp. Yeah, no. yeah see, can. she's waiting see, to come out. Alison Krauss comes out. <laughs> His spontaneity uh, when he sings is so different than my whole mentality through the years. I got really fascinated with being able to sing something 10 times and be able to piece something together. And then, you know, he'd get in there and just throw down. And it was all about right now, right this second. This is about capturing this moment in time. And it was really a, a wake-up call for myself, you know, about really being present and authentic. I was a typical English rocker, so to end up being encouraged and enamored by her meticulous vision of various parts of certain songs was quite an experience for an old dog. I found it was incredibly rewarding musically, and we had actually started to solder a really great affinity between us, a friendship which doesn't have to be propped up by anything at all. The whole thing was a surprise from just beginning to end. To have that whole thing wrap up with such a unexpected ending was, you know, just really uh, remarkable, really. The Grammys? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> now we can fly between the great work of Calexico and the lost works of Gishi Wiley. You know, there's no boundaries to where we can go because we're actually, <clears throat> we're almost translators in this situation, I think. So as long as there are songs that people have never heard on my jukebox or in my record collection or in Alison's, then we've got a, a relationship and a gig together. Robert Plant and Alison Krauss partners. Their two albums, Raise the Roof and Raising Sand, are available everywhere. You can find them online at plantkraus.com or at plantkraus. Partners is made by me, Rishikesh Hirway. I produced and edited this episode and made the theme music. Maureen Hoban is my co-producer, and Chloe Parker and Casey Deal are the production assistants. Kathleen Smith handled music clearance. Partners is a MailChimp podcast made in partnership with Radiotopia. Find out more at MailChimp.com presents and at Radiotopia.fm. Thanks for listening.